on today's episode of Photo. And I lived and I grew up in fear, in fear of being sent away, in fear of not having a home. In... And I opened it on the plane, it had $100, and I was sent back with no money. I mean, I love them, but that is like, I mean, you abandon me and you send me with no money. You know, I have abandonment issues. You raise without a mom and a dad, and then the family that raises you does a coup d'etat and sends your ass to your fucking country, to somewhere that looks like Afghanistan. And, and I said, I will not be a slave to this corporate bullshit because I was living in corporate fucking bullshit, you know, with other women putting me down, yeah. gave birth to you at the age of 13 mm -hmm. okay and then she divorced at the age of 16, 16. and you went to live with your father's side I, I uh, my father to divorce my mom said I want custody of the child which was me and he gave me to his mother um, I was born in Abu Dhabi so he brought he sent my mom back and he said you want a divorce you will give me the child. And she actually had to give me up. And his mother took me and raised me. Okay. And she in Abu Dhabi? That was in no, Abu Dhabi? No, she, she, when they got divorced, she was sent back with me to Beirut. And okay. they took me from her in Beirut. I mean, my mom says to me that the day they took me, I was a year and a half, I was a baby, and she had to like give me away. And so she gave me to my grandmother. And then there was this, you know, uh, this rock, you know, Hajra mm -hmm. yeah. the rock that we build with. Mm. She's 16 and she ca she gave me away and she carried the rock and she she just had all this and she just threw it and it shattered like it just broke into pieces. But that was the only thing that she could do. She had no opportunity. She mm -hmm. was not educated. She didn't have money. She didn't have freedom. It was aib. It was it was it was embarrassing for the family that she got divorced. And so four months later, they made sure she got remarried. Oh. And six months later, my dad came back to her, and she was she was already married. Wow. wow. Mm. So she was still thirteen when she got married again. No, she no. was 13, no sixteen. Four, four, okay. Sixteen. Okay, mm. sorry. So she got re. So by the time she was sixteen, she was married twice. twice. Yeah. yeah. Wow. At sixteen, she was divorced. Four months later, she was remarried. Wow. And this is due to the fact that it was I not to due be. Due to the fact that my grandfather, who I love very, very much, Anjad, um, uh, this was their mentality. And no, our daughter is divorced. And no, what are the neighbors going to say about mm. us? And it was funny because in the building that my mom and dad met in Shiyeh, because that's where they all lived at the time, is where when I came back at 17 at that building and all the neighbors were still living there and they were all, you know, it was, it was, it was the just, same ones, basically. Yeah, they were all waiting yeah. on the balcony and Amira's oh. daughter is here. They were all doing the Zalguta and clapping <laughs> and I was just like, what is, you know, what is going on? Um, it was in, in, in that building, so. But that must have been so... I don't, like, like, how'd you go, how'd yeah, you, how'd go, you go, on go on from that? Growing, growing up, I know you grew up in Florida. And 
because I, I mean, culturally, I'm sure Florida and Lebanon, especially at that time in history, are not are two very different things. You're trying to say I'm old. No, no, no. Not <laughs> what old. are you trying not to say? Huh? I'm saying pe- people. What do you mean? When, when you were in Florida, when you were in Florida, when people ask you like my generation. No, 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 the older generation. I shouldn't have said the word generation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I should have given the specific. I am date. 41 and I feel like I'm 23. And if you're 23, I bet you I can rave. Much well, longer I, than you. I, I don't, so. you, don't need to, you don't need to bet. I can guarantee you. Honestly, I can guarantee you. You can rave more than I can rave. I guarantee you. If you get Ryan in a rave, first of all, that's a big achievement. Oh, really? I'm yeah, gonna yeah. take you to a rave. I'm, I'm a couch potato. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna take you to a rave. Okay. Done. No, sorry. Um, so yeah, so just people in in Florida would they when they would ask you about oh your parents and everything like would you feel a bit kind of hesitant to talk about that or look my my mom tried. She she was she would always call me and then you know it faded as you get older because at the time there was no phones and there's no mm. WhatsApp and she had to wake up at you know when the central is open for her to actually ask for the call internationally and it would be three or four a.m. my time and as time passed by I had nothing to say to her and. Uh, Look, I grew up in a middle class, working class family that is really, really, really fucked up. Okay. But they are my family. And we were raised with not a lot, but we were raised with so much that nothing was in my eyes. I want to say this, mm-hmm. but we were really, really middle class. I've been working since 14. My aunt works. She's an alcoholic. My uncle is a head of the hotel business. I grew up all over the beaches of Florida. Uh, my other uncle is a Taekwondo champion. He's freaking crazy, but he waitresses. <laughs> my grandmother had 10 kids. She lost three. Two of them died in the war. You know, she's from the South. She still kills a goat during Eid mm-hmm. in Florida because we all need to eat that, the neighbors. We are not a perfect family, but we are we lived in a family environment. Mm. The only thing was that I lived in a lot of fear with them because, you know, it was the Lebanese mentality. You know, we are raising you. You know, if it wasn't for us raising you, mm. you would be God knows where with your father. Mm. And, and mm. I didn't know where my father was. I knew he was in Nigeria and that scared the shit out of me. And I didn't know him. If you don't, I don't know what you will go. We will send you to Nigeria. Yeah, but what? Yeah. You know, and Always I wanted... Those threats. <laughs> It was always threatening. It was always in fear. And I lived and I grew up in fear, in fear of being sent away, in fear of not having a home, in fear of... So it made me fearful of everyone. And then that fear that I grew up with made me feel like everybody else is so much better than me. Everybody is more educated. Everybody's prettier. Mm -hmm. Everybody is smarter. Everybody is richer. So I became this kind of compliant girl, but Mariana was inside. Mariana mm. was getting built. Yeah. This character, this girl that is inside of me was, was starting to grow up and she was rebellious and she wanted to live and she loves to dance and she loves people. And I was, I was, I was always afraid, but my friends never saw that because I wasn't really allowed to do anything. I had two or three but very, very good friends, Lelyom, till today they are in my life. I was never allowed out. I was never allowed to football games. I was never allowed to do anything. Friends were not allowed over. I was skipping school. I was smoking pot at 15. Mm -hmm. I was having sex at 15. 
I was street smart at 15. I was, like, now that I look, I have a 15-year-old. And I was thinking, I would die if Sophie did this. I'd have a yeah. freaking nervous breakdown. Yeah. But because I lived in fear and oppressed, because mm. this is what they thought was protecting me, because they were worried what they would say about them in Lebanon, the daughter of, I don't, and nobody knew who the hell we were. Yeah. We're like nobody. And this was before the age of social media as well, where of people course. could like, oh, who you are. So there wasn't a lot of like, you can't really get a lot of exposure in general. And I was just like, think about it now. Usually kids in general that have, that experience a divorce from parents at a very young age, they tend to go from a psychological perspective, whether they portray that or not. They tend to go through a lot of like self-doubt, anxiety, depression, low self-esteem. And do you think you ever felt that when you were young? Did you always question that you're con because right now you seem like a very confident person <laughs> and you're very well spoken and you're very brave. Whereas was that different when you were younger, especially during before you became a teenager, when you were a kid going through all that from a mental perspective? I'll tell you something about when I was younger. Um, I don't know what it is, but I don't have a lot of memories. Mm. I can't really dictate like I can't remember what I felt like at 10 or 12 or I can remember maybe 14 to 17 for some reason. That rebellious phase. That phase. Yeah. But the other phases was like, I, I don't have, like, I wanted to think of memories. I have mm. these little, but there isn't really anything. Maybe you purposely blocked uh, them Maybe up. I, yeah, yeah, you know, there's just these blocks of time in my mm. life. But um, I was a good girl, mm. you know. Mm. I'm a good girl. Like, yeah. I was just always just a bit more hyper and loud yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, wanted to live in life. And... But I was, you know, we were really, and they did the best they can. Mm -hmm. You know, they had to take care of us. And I have a brother as well. So my dad did this a second time, who's a doctor now. And my brother used to always say, we're going to show them, sis. We're going to show them. <laughs> and, you know, he was younger than me. And I'd, I'd be crying, but I'm not allowed out. And, and he's like, sis, we're going to show them. And, and he's a doctor now. So uh, do you think that drove you? For like, for like, you wanted to become successful as like. Well, they showed them. <laughs> they, they did. Showed yeah. Them. But do you think one of the reasons as to why you worked really hard and why you wanted to maybe you had something to prove? Look, I don't think I'm successful. I think yeah. I've worked really hard. Yeah. To be really honest, to me, success is not where I am now. Yeah. I think success is really doing something that leaves a mark, okay. and I'm not there yet. And I want to leave a mark, even mm. if it's with one human being, because so many people came into my life and opened doors. It was like, I have this bubble of protection from the universe. And God was like, I got you. <laughs> and he would like leave me to like about to hit the ground, and then something comes in. Like I have conversations with them, like seriously, you don't have anything else to do except me, because I know you're gonna take care of me right this second, and my phone is gonna ring, and something is going to come, and I am going to be okay. And I could write books about that. Um, so, my bad if. But you've left your mark already. Like you were telling us how you did a, a video and then you're receiving like 400 messages mm. and people have actually put in so much effort into constructing these messages and telling you about their opinion or what's going on with them. Don't you feel that That's for success? You, you, like you, for a personal note for you. I could tell myself you've done a good job till now. All right. But I don't Fair. think that is, yeah. you know, I've done a good job. I mean, from where I was to where I got, mm -hmm. but okay, Mariana, you've done a good job, you know, yeah. and now you got to keep that shit up. And now it's more we have to work on on being a better person in general, because when, when you come from... What caused you to come back to Lebanon and then eventually get into DHL? So I was a junior in high school and I wanted to go study archaeology. 
Um, cool. Wow. That's pretty I still cool, do. Yeah. Yesterday there was that archaeology archaeology thing they're digging mm-hmm. up in Batroun. Yeah. I went I in and that. I was in my pajamas. I like ran down <laughs> and my flip flops. The girls no like you want to. I swear I did a you whole find video. A dinosaur? Yeah. I was like maybe I need to do this. It was it was <laughs> also really interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to find something. I don't know. I was like, is there any humans here? They're like, no, the cemetery's over there. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, no, but I wanted to study archaeology. And what basically happened was my family was like. We don't have girls that will go live alone in the university. And I don't know why. And they did a coup. They did a coup d'etat on my ass. Oh, wow. Yeah, what they did was they said, your mother is sick. My mother was not sick. Oh, great stuff. And <laughs> you need to go and visit her for two weeks in Lebanon. And uh, you'll come and we'll take, and my aunt took me shopping at Express and Limited and I with the body shop and... And my friends, who's still in my life, Jessica Montilla, is like, girl, they are sending you back. You're going to the Middle East. They're going to put on that veil and you're going to get married. I'm like, no, man, it's not like that. What are you talking about? I'm fine. She's like, you should run away. You know, Jessica's like, you should run away. I'm like, what do you mean run away? It's my family. They're saying I'm too, I'm too, am I going for two weeks? Yes. Teta, Amu, I asked everybody. They got me on a plane. And my uncle's wife um, gave me a small esprit bag, and she said, open it on the plane. And I opened it on the plane. It had $100, and I was sent back with no money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love them. But that is like, I mean, you abandoned me, and you sent me with no money. No money. Okay? And I lived in Boca. I lived in Boca Raton. I lived in a, you know, again, we lived there because my uncle worked there. But I lived on the beach around mansions, and yeah. I knew what everything good looks like. And, you know, obviously... I came, I opened the bag in the plane. It had a note that says, I love you forever and a hundred dollars. And something said to me like, Ooh, what the fuck? Mm. I had the worst plane ride ever. It was an Alitalia. I will never get on Alitalia flight. I have a fear of flying because of this experience. It was the first time ever leaving my family traveling without them. I never knew what it meant to travel outside of the country. Um, it was the worst turbulence in the world. I arrived to the airport in Italy. Nobody spoke English. No. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with my ticket. I didn't know how to use a terminal. I didn't know anything. And I remember crying in the airport and like calling my grandma and saying, Teta, I don't know what to do and nobody speaks English. Of course, always somebody comes into my life. I arrived to the airport in Beirut. It was the old airport in 96. There was no terminals. The plane landed. We got out, and customs was outside somewhere. <laughs> like, and I stood in line. I had a, and I, I wore a, I wore a jeans dress for like 20 hours of flying. I don't even know what. I don't know what my mom looks like. I know that she's very beautiful. I have pictures of her, like beautiful. She is drop dead gorgeous. I didn't know how I would be received, and I stood outside. The guy opened my passport, and he said. Your passport is expired. The picture on my passport is of a two-year-old. I had a three-month visa to live in America, to go to the States from the UK for three months. I lived there for bloody 16 years or so. Sorry. So, so the guy looks at my passport and he's like, and, and this guy comes up. He, I don't know. He had, I know he had three or four stars. I don't know his name. I don't know who he is. I think he just saw some fear in my eyes because I was really scared. I, I, I really did not know what to do. And he said, 
what's 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 the problem and the guy goes her passport is expired sir whatever and he looks at me i said i'm here to see my mom um and he goes she's with me they stamp and i walk in i don't know who this guy is so the guy comes in and says she, i she's with me i walk out to the belt to get my bag and walk out and i see this really 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 beautiful woman i knew she was my mom she knew I, it was me um obviously coming with a jeans dress uh, whatever and i was thinking oh my god she is so beautiful thing is is she arrived with her kids and her husband and now i realize it later as a mother you know she hasn't seen me in 16 years and she came with her whole family and her life was set she had a family i'm just an intruder to this family in a way and to this new lifestyle that you know and i was picked up in an orange Volvo that was rusted and I don't know what. And I, I just thought this is Lebanon. And when we were going to Shiyeh, um, there was a some people shooting in celebration for Salim, Salim one of the, Salim, Salim, whatever, one of the, that guy. <laughs> and I thought it was war, of course. And I was looking at all the buildings that were shot. And she was like, oh, don't worry, mom, it's, this is normal, okay. We get to the Shiyeh, everybody's on the balcony. Amira's daughter is here. I'm like, okay, this is great. And I was scared, and she was scared. And she thought she's getting a year and a half old baby. I was 17 years old. I was sexually active. I was smoking out. I was working. I was a young American kind of Lebanese girl. But mm. that carried on even when you came to, when you came back and lived in Lebanon, that kind of rebellious phase still carried on. In I wasn't, re I wasn't really rebellious. Of course, I had no access to anything, yeah. not sex, not, <laughs> nothing. I had yeah. to find my way, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I would, you know, then I, then I realized, okay, I'm not going back home. I would go down and call my grandmother. And then my grandmother realized, oh my God, what did we do? So she would cry every day and I would cry every day because when I used to come home, I was the baby and Teta would always put, I dance very, very well Arabic and I know every song because my grandmother, when I come home from school to do my homework, she would sit next to the bed with a little radio and it was always and I always listened to them. I thought it was horrible. Now I love them and I love the poetry of the music mm -hmm. and I sing it with all my heart, you know? So when I came back, um, she realized we couldn't go back and I realized we couldn't go back and I was just crying. I said, Teta, please, Teta, Teta, I need to go back home. I need to go back home. How am I gonna go back home? And she's like, maybe you need to apply to the American embassy in Cyprus. There was no American embassy in Beirut. Maybe you need to apply to the American embassy. But Skeev, how do I do this? Look, I knew I was not going back home and I knew that this was not going to be my life. And there then started the physical abuse. I mean, my mom, she didn't mean, to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, justifying what she did, okay? I'm not, she knows. But there was so much pressure from her ex-husband that she basically had to, she came out with this rage at me. Um, I started jogging in the neighborhood, just jogging, because that's what we do in Florida, we jog. I mean, not in Chia, but like we jog. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, you can't let me do anything. I'm going to jog. And I started jogging out. And then I started seeing a nicer neighborhood, which was Badaro. Because I lived in these kinds of mm. neighborhoods. So I could, you know, okay, wait, this is nicer. Keep jogging. Mm, this is nicer. This is nicer. Keep jogging. 
And one day I saw a DHL sign. And the only thing it said to me was home. But I'll tell you why. Because I grew up where anywhere I would go to see my friends or have lunch or anything that I was allowed to was at my uncle's hotels that he managed on the beach. And he was the general manager. And my aunt was the front desk manager, or my other uncle, FNB, if the whole family is working in the freaking place. Right? Of course. Hey. And then they bring the kids, and we take a room, and I can swim, and all the staff knew me, and I could have the cheddar cheese I loved, and whatever. And every morning, a DHL would come because they had to send uh, couriers. And it was 96. There was nothing in the country. I was like, home. I walked in, it was an open space. And I said, hello, do you have a vacancy? I'm looking for a job in my sweatpants. Uh, and the guy... Super professional. Yeah, the guy, Marwan, who's still a friend, uh, years, years later, said to me, no, but why don't you fill out an application? Here's another one of those I need to write down. Allah, I promise you, this is not a joke. Like, I look back and I say, is this for real? You know, I do the application and I'm talking to him, of course, because I like, you know, Obviously, I like to talk. What do you guys do? You sure you don't need? Would you call me back? Da, da, da. And the general manager, the customer service manager, Ziad, heard my, my accent. I was literally pushing the door out, saying thank you. And the guy goes, sorry, miss, did you just apply? I went, yes. He goes, do you want to come in for an interview now? Wow. On my life. I said, yes. I go in. And he's like, okay, we're looking for somebody in customer service. Yes, I'll do anything. <laughs> yes. Uh, I know, two yes. Yeah. Till today. And he was like, $350. I'm like, yes, I'm rich. Okay, I am rich now, I swear. And you know, that $350 I used to make, I swear had more value than whatever I'm making now. <laughs> like it was, you know. At the time, it was, it was something yeah. else. Yes, of course. And I got the job. I stayed with them for 16 years. But the, the turn of, you know, where the universe is really brilliant. Well, first I had to start paying rent. So my stepfather asked for rent, so I was paying half of that for rent. And then um, I wanted to, you know, all the team at DHL, I was a baby. I was their baby, you know, mm. the 17-year-old. And she's so bubbly, and I really didn't want to go back home at the end of the day, so I would do anything. Who needs me to copy? <laughs> Who? And it was like up and down. We were only 70 employees. They're like 250. Now, who needs? I don't know what. And I didn't, you know, read and write Arabic. I didn't understand Arabic as much. So everybody would make fun and try to teach me. I became the baby of DHL. Um, and we had to work some once a month to fill out invoices and make $60 extra on our paycheck. So I thought, this is great. I'll, wear, I'll work once a month, fill out invoices, because nothing was digital, and we of get course. $60, and you come home at 2 a.m. Yeah. And one day I came home, and my mother, I think her husband, just put everything in her head, and she just you know, sat and, and was like, you're, you know, you're just, you're this, you're that, you're, you know, she cursed at me. For and no reason. That I was late. She no. thought I was out partying. I was really working. Yeah. Um, Conflict and lifestyle, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Like and mentality. Yeah. And mentality, yeah, yeah. yeah generation. You've been living yeah. in like America all your life, then you go to Sheyeh. And you got a job. That's, yeah. Yeah. that's your own, crazy. And I was paying own. half of their rent. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, like, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but that's kind of an asshole move. Yeah, he's an <laughs> asshole because he, was, he used to love, he, he loves, loved my, loves my mom before 
my husband, my, my, my dad, my husband, God, it's so complicated. <laughs> my dad and my husband, I was like, okay, I need therapy for this. No, no, not my dad, not my husband. Um, he, he used to be in love with her. So anyway, I think I was just like this idea of Anwar to him, you know, Anwar came in. Um, and I left that night. I opened the drawer, I just took my passport, I went to my friend Carol's house, I knocked at her door, and I said, I'm never going back. And I was like, man, you waited 17 years for me. You know, you'd sit and pray to see me, and I used to be like, I want my mom, my mom is Miss Lebanon, I used to think she's Miss Lebanon, because my mm -hmm. grandma said she's so beautiful, and I told everybody my mom is Miss Lebanon, I lied, guys, so. <laughs> I didn't know, I really thought she was, and she is, she really is, I love her. Um, I love her and I forgive her, and I wish I could have given her more power to not live this sort of a life that I know she probably would have had such a bigger capacity to do had she had, had she had the chance to be untamed. Mm, mm. Get <laughs> exposure, know? basically. Yeah, mm. and to be untamed, and you know, like that Glennon Doyle book about how we become like these cheetahs and these and we're told what to do and we conform and she had to conform. So I left. I ended up getting promoted by DHL when they fired 25 people that day. 25 people were fired, two were promoted. It was me and somebody else. I was shitting bricks when we, I went out. I swear to God, the first thing I said to him, I said, if you're firing me, I was making $900. I said, I just want to know why. I just want to know what I did, please. And he goes, I'm so sorry we're doing this today. But Mariana, I have to. We took the new office in downtown. And we're going to be representing the American embassy. Yanimish, I didn't have to go to the embassy. The embassy came to my <laughs> to hand. You, yeah. God and the universe sent it. That's the only way I could look at it. I mean, how crazy. Yeah. 20 something years later, it's like, I ended up opening the place in downtown. There was nobody, nobody. It was me, it was the church, it was the, the mosque, it was Casper and Gambini. I was waitressing there at night, working mm -hmm. at DHL during the day, and everybody would have to come in and apply for their visas. Who had to fill out the application? Me. <laughs> Who would know if somebody is getting a visa or not? You. Me, because anyway, when it comes back, nobody waits to go into their car to open their passport. They yeah. bloody open it. Instantly, of course. You know, some yeah, of them yeah. went, into, went through, like we had like two doors left and right and a whole glass thing. They would be so busy opening, they've fallen down the stairs, hit the <laughs> glass door. Like they're so into, uh, did we get our visa? So I started understanding what is the type of people that will get a visa and will not. I started understanding, like, he is not getting a visa. Mm. <laughs> She's getting Very a visa. Very accurate, yeah. <laughs> you start understanding because you know what they look for. They look for people that, you know, you know they're coming back. They don't need to stay. Somebody who's going for good, you can tell they're going for it. It's so easy to spot. But I never opened my mouth about America. And I was the person sending them the diplomatic bags mm. and, you know, getting them back. I never opened my mouth, nothing until my brother was graduating and he called and he said sis and he was graduating with honors and he said I'm not getting on that stage without you I'm like bro you're crazy like you know I'm working they could fire me and he said sis I'm not getting on that stage so figure it out and I called the embassy my friend Sana Alameddin who is one of the women I am grateful for for the rest of my life at least whose passport did you screw up with now I'm like nobody, nobody. <laughs> 
no one, but I need to tell you something. <laughs> and I told her, and she was like, what? I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, I would love to go back and see my brother. She said, okay. She calls me back at 3.30, and she said, Mariana, if I give you this visa, you have to promise me you're coming back. I'm like, okay, I promise. But I wasn't really promising, but yeah. I wanted... Like, yeah, we'll no. see, we'll see. No, no, yeah. I was like, I promise. Like, yeah. I wasn't, you know, but somewhere inside, I was like, mm, what if I go and what I want to What if an opportunity mm. arises over there? What if you enjoyed too much? <laughs> All these thoughts rushing Yeah, but when head. I went, I knew that was not my home anymore. Okay, really? Yeah. How many, oh, my God. How many years? For what reason? How many like, years was it? Oh, yeah. it, was, it was, sorry... How, how many years was it since you like when you went to it was America? four years later yeah, yeah. Like three or four years yeah. later it it was just not home you know my my no way no way it was not home first of all everybody's gone mm. everybody's mm. working everybody graduated i have you know nothing no ak-47s in the air when no ak-47s yeah. i mean you know yeah. I, I like i like to keep it i like to keep it <laughs> actionful <I'm>, yeah <laughs> um it was not home. It was, I, I actually, I wanted to go to kind of tell them, look, you really screwed up. Like, I'm such, you abandoned me. And I still have these issues now I have to deal with, you know? I have abandonment issues. You raise without a mom and a dad, and then the family that raises you does a coup d'etat and sends your ass to your fucking country to somewhere that looks like Afghanistan, and mm. you're not compared to Boca, and you're in a bathing suit, mm. and, you know... You, but they abandoned me. They didn't yeah. mean to abandon me. It doesn't mean they don't love me. They just don't didn't know any better. Um, and they know I love them and I respect them. But even now, when, when the explosion went out, something in me went like, I went, I felt so bad. Am I rambling? No. <laughs> I messaged them and my uncle, who I love, he's like my dad, he is the love of my life. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> you fucking set me back. I've been nuked. I was such a good kid. And I had never said that. You know, like... You just said like, well, you, you yeah. got clarity, essentially. Yeah, I was okay. like, I am... You know, I was such a good kid. I don't deserve this. I did not deserve this. You guys fucking sent me back for what? To get nuked after working all these years to get... And they were in bits. I really hurt them. But I think I needed to mm. get that out. My aunt, my grandmother, she was calling me every day. I said, nobody calls me. I don't want anybody to ask about me. I was enraged. Mm. Because that whole abandonment has been with me for 25 years. But I was always very decent about it. Mm. Like, Keeping it cool. Yeah, you can't raise yeah. somebody for 17 years and just yeah. throw them. Yeah. Without an explanation. Without, so. you know, it's not like I did anything wrong. Even when we were graduating, the dean said there's one person missing in this graduation, and this person would have never dropped out, you know, because I would have never dropped out. I had a 3.2 GPA without even going to class. Like, I could have, you know, I could have, but it, it, it doesn't matter. Anyway, anyways, I got my visa. I went back. I realized this isn't home, and, uh, and you know, I'm so much freer where I am. I'm free. I'm free of obligations of the family. I'm free of rules and regulations. I work. I do my thing. I'm free. See, all of that, like, I, don't you feel that if you hadn't gone through all of that shit, that, or, and or even considering that you don't consider yourself successful yet because you have so much more that you want to do, I feel that if you hadn't gone through all of that, you wouldn't be here now saying the things that you are saying and, you know, with so much 
like passion, determination, and you're, you're convinced that what you're saying. It's because I think it also built character. Mm-hmm. Built yeah, because you've drive. been put in that in that situation where you've had to pull yourself out of the shit, yeah. and I mean the shit of the shit. Mm. And you have. Like technically mm-hmm. the and you odds, still are. The odds are always stacked against you from, from birth up until that point. Like you were always on like raised here and then when you were raised here they sent you back without any money and then when you're working you start getting a job and then they then you left your mother's house. So you're always like every situation that you found yourself in was not a situation that was oh, okay, I'm in a good place right now. It was always okay, I'm here and I need to depend on myself mm-hmm. to get myself out of the situation. Mm-hmm. So that in itself is very motivational those i think you were at dhl for 16 years right and you always came in with that mentality and a go-getter and working hard and everything but i'm sure also there was the other side of lebanese society and growing up in lebanese society did you ever feel yourself as you were climbing the ranks and doing what you're doing saying like because you said this when you were younger i need to be better i need to be stronger i need to be prettier i need to have more money i need to be be held in an even higher regard in the society did that ever it was no it wasn't i need to be it was everybody was better than me that way and i just knew that like yeah in the material material way or yeah no in everything there was they're better they're because they're more educated so they're smarter than me Mm, that was your perception yeah you know i mean uh, whatever her body is nice no i love my body but i mean you now i do i can Mm. you know say i am a woman i feel it i am 41 i'm more grounded i'm more comfortable with myself but before of course i wasn't i wouldn't leave my hair curly because it was conforming to society mm-hmm. you know and i have like beautiful curls and my hair was long it was all this whatever conforming but still there's this rebellion rebellion in me like mm-mm, you know i'm not gonna always follow the rules mm-hmm. so you know that helped but it did push me it pushed me because i wanted to be smarter and when I married my ex-husband, he is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. And every night he would sit and read all these books. And because of him, I was reading so much. Because of him, I looked up to him so much. And I wanted to be successful like him. And I worked and it just, you know, it got through. But um, now do I look at that in society? Not anymore. Mm. No, that's after all that we've been through, none of this matters. Uh, What's in here true. matters and my sanity. And How long did it take you to become fully accepting of yourself, not comparing your others, to be not comparing yourself to others as in, oh my God, she's prettier, oh my God, she's more knowledgeable or he's more knowledgeable. Like, when did you fully accept yourself for who you are? I think when I left DHL, yeah. I just left everything. I left DHL, um, I left my husband, I left small business I was starting and I wanted it all I wanted everything over with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a new chapter basically yeah and I just to... said I will not be a slave to anybody mm-hmm. I will not be fearful to anybody I will I'm just I wanted to stop being afraid and I think that really 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 helped me structure I mean in the past two years I've completely changed but it was the beginning mm-hmm. to where I am today the past seven or eight years mm. That, that's where I started feeling the society when I entered the PR world that mm. I didn't know anything about. I created my own world in my head of what I knew of PR. Yeah. I was like, what's PR? You know, going to events and I don't know what. You know what, what PR is? You, these people need to make money. Mm-hmm. I need to find a way for them to make money. I'm a salesperson. That's what I know. So I need to link them with the right people mm-hmm. and the right clients. What is this whole send a press release and go to... No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I need to... That's how it really yeah, yeah. started. Mm. 
And I said, I will not be a slave to this corporate bullshit because I was living in corporate fucking bullshit, mm. you know, with other women putting me down. Yes, with other women trying to break me. And I have broken tables and screamed and yelled <laughs> and left and all of it. And like women. Mm. And I left and like, I am not going to be that woman. You are not going to be that woman. And I'm still being tested by God for things that, you know, to be that kind of a good woman, whether desire comes in or other things comes in, it's like we decided we're going to be a good, good human. So mm. you get tested. Anyways, when I left DHL and I started my, my you know, the PR, it just, it led to things. And I said, I will not be a slave. No money in the world will cover my freedom. So if I decide to work with you, it's because my heart and soul and mind and Everything is with you. And I'm not taking you because you have money and your dad is rich and I don't believe in your brand or anything like that. I didn't know at the time that that was going to be part of the serious success of my PR company. Mm -hmm. It was just really, you are not going to buy my freedom. You can't afford it, honey. So if I like you, I'm really going to work my ass off for you. And that showed so successfully in what I did because I was so happy to take on these clients and then others were like, oh, my God, she won't sign you up. Mariana, wait, they will <laughs> say no. I didn't know that was happening. You know, it was like, no, 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 yes. No, 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 yes, I want to work with McLaren. No, 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 mm. uh, yes. Even if it's a small brand that I believed in, that really helped me. That gave me a lot of freedom as well to say, oh, you know what? It's okay to say no. Mm. It's okay to be whoever I, I, I am. And it's okay for those who never believed in me now invite me over and say hello to me and now i understand because now dynamics. you have more of a title yeah, yeah. now no. i understand the dyma dynamics yeah. okay but also these dynamics and why i tell you to me it's not about success is because people can you know blow you up and in a second pop you mm. um and as long as you're doing sexy things and that you are successful and you are this and you are that, everybody loves you. Mm. But do they really love you when you make a huge mistake and you lose everything? Do they really love you when your business is falling down? Do they really love you and respect you, not on your good days? And those I have through my dear, 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 dear close friends and clients who've become family, which is, that's what matters. Mm. So... There's an Eric Clapton song that goes, nobody loves you when you're down and out. And mm -hmm. uh, then it goes, when you get back on your feet, everybody wants to be your long lost friend. And I think if you talk to every single successful person in the world, they'll tell you that's true, right? Like when you get to a certain point where you transcend a certain kind of like threshold or like point. Especially, especially here, I think. Especially here. Uh, yeah, I think that's yeah. Yeah. Even, even the strategy you were doing is interesting because it was that was your business strategy and that's what helped separate you. But it was also kind of like a middle finger to every social norm we had in this society. Because in the social norm, if you come from, you know, a lot of wealth and status and a, and a big family name, automatically it's let's yeah. bow down to you. Let's yeah. even politically, uh, I mean, everything, that's everything, runs. everything. So for you to then take your business strategy and be like, nah, fuck that, I'm not going to do that. That was quite interesting. And I also find it very interesting, not just like with who you work, like who your clients are, but also who you hire. Like you are against this like CV. I'm just going to go by the resume, check, <laughs> check, check. No, like you're really into finding out more about the person. You know, Marwa, my assistant. Yeah. 
Marwa used to be a waitress yeah. at events I did. Mm-hmm. This girl used to come up to me and give me a hug and a kiss. I didn't know who the fuck she was. Okay, I used to know this is really cool girl waitress. There's not a lot of girl waitresses. Bravo, Aleha, she's working her ass off. Nothing. Donna, my assistant at the time, decided to get married and leave who I love and wanted to start a family. I was, I was like, oh my God, she's doing it Donna. Donna, I have a CV box in my on my laptop. I get CVs every day. That's how I knew. I was like, okay, MWPR is doing all right. We're getting CVs. <laughs> people, 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 people yeah. want to work here. People want to work with me. Really? Wow. So I would just drop. I would always wanted to respond. You know, there's no you know vacancy. And just drop them in the CV box. It had like 500 emails. I swear to you guys. I swear. I went into it. I opened it. And I just clicked on an email. I read the email and I said, I forwarded to Donna and I said, bring this young woman in. I did not look at any other email. I did not know who the girl was. I promise you this. Donna sends the email. The girl comes to the office. We do the interview. I'm sitting with her and I'm like, oh my God, like you look, you look familiar. She's like, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I work for barbecue bros and you do the events and we had a shot the other day at the end of the Nissan uh, 50 year anniversary. And I'm like, oh my God. You're the waitress. You're the waitress. You're this girl that she's like, yeah, I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, yeah, and I work at night. And I'm like, I'm like, you're hired. You're hired. I have not seen anybody else but her. A 400 kilo glass fell on her during the explosion. I thought she died. We had to get her out. Four days later, Marwa was with me opening Bebu Shabik. I will never leave this girl for the rest of her life. I did not need to look at a CV. You know why? Because she was hungry. She was hungry she and she drive. needed an opportunity. Yeah. And she needed somebody by her. And she needed a little bit of love and compassion and security to be taken care of. And for some divine reason, you only clicked on her CV. I swear on my life. Another theme in your life. And yeah. you can call Dana and say, how many people did Mariana interview before hiring Marwa? She'll tell me zero. She uh, call uh, Dana. Yeah. I'm telling you. Give me her number. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it on camera. Let's call Dana. Now's not the time, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing at this moment in your life, you've started a successful PR company. You've kind of proven doubters wrong a bit. Was there any moment where your dad wanted to come back into your life and he saw, wow, my daughter's actually doing no. really well and I want to connect? No, but I did get a call about a year or two ago that he is staying at some hotel and that they were going to kick him out if I don't go pay. So I went and I paid. Okay. Really? Mm. That's one of those like movie scenarios. Literally. Mm. Really? Yes. <laughs> it's like in the third, uh, when everything is going well in the third act and then something from I the went and I paid. Yeah. You could yeah. have, you could have he wasn't even downstairs. Oh. Mm. oh so you, you didn't see him? No. And the minute I walked into this hotel, it's like a whorehouse in Hamira, which was really obviously they knew that I'm not a whore because they knew that this is a girl who's going to pay for this guy because this girl looks... <laughs> like she's not a whore and only <laughs> but sorry I, but that's the truth so I walked in I paid the time I was dating this young man who's 26 who I, had a, I had a love story with and um, that was never going to work even if the universe conspired okay it was just going to be impossible and he was waiting for me outside and I just said to, I said to him I said please 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 now and I, I ran out and I got in the car and I said just keep driving 
as far away as you can i need you to drive and he drove me to batroon and we just kept driving mm. for a few hours and came back mm. i felt like i needed to like like shower mm. and like mm. and like just get whatever this you know is off of me and and then i went to therapy okay. ah that was the moment that got you to mm. go to okay. i went you know i started because th- these this is not an easy topic to talk, yeah. to talk mm, about yeah. in any circumstance you know like when a father is supposed to be someone that you can relate to and uh, talk to when you need and you, you were the one taking care of him and during his fuck ups mm. at some the point the family was the whole the family, family was, was. Mm-hmm. and you his daughter mm. which is unreasonable i don't think i'm his daughter i just don't he doesn't know what he doesn't know what i smell like he doesn't That's know what point, i sound actually. like he doesn't yeah. know anything about me mm. he, he, i'm not his daughter yeah just i'm i learned that you know i was grasping to this idea of a dad of a father figure my husband is a bit of a father figure i guess that i married who you know i needed that strong and powerful and intellectual and then then save me everybody needed to save me well guess what honey Ain't nobody's gonna save you if you don't save yourself i'm gonna save myself and that's it that's it you know but uh, I realize he doesn't know anything about me and I don't know anything about him. I don't I don't He didn't change or make anything in my life. Yani I kept searching for this thing that does not exist. And created a fantasy in my head of something that does not exist and of a love that does not exist and of an acceptance that does not exist in my life, in Mariana's life. This was not given to her. So, stop fucking looking for it because this person does not exist. and would have not changed anything in your life. I've done, okay. I've given that up. I've given that up. And even when we did therapy, I mean, my, you know, my therapist did a whole study and asked me to send it abroad because we became, she's not my therapist anymore. She's like my mom, we really connected and I needed that, you know? I never really knew how to cry, like in that kind of, um, and when she, we killed him in therapy, Uh, she, they ask you to imagine so I, how you kill him and then I killed him and then I gave him a beautiful funeral and I put him next to his father and it was all in white and flowers and my therapist says I cannot believe you did that so this is a therapeutic technique where you imagine so they yeah in therapy I don't know so they, they you kill the person in your mind because mm, you're okay. allowed to use your you mind to hold on that a few times yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah you kill them but I mean killing your parents is, is very That's yeah, yeah. No, yeah and it took time for me to get there like to kill him in mind how would you kill him and how would you do it so I was like why me okay and now I'm ready to kill anybody right? <laughs> no No, no, no. But I mean, and I didn't even think about it. I was just like, I'm done with you. And here's a beautiful funeral. And these are beautiful flowers. And I'm going to put you next to your dad. And I am done. And she thought it was like, you know, a year later. And she's like, my mom. She's like, I just cannot believe you did that. I'm done, guys. I'm done. I'm done searching for that. I'm mm. done searching for someone to save me. I'm done searching for the guy that is going to come and love me. I'll mm. fucking endless. I I'm done. I'm so okay on my own. I have so many love stories. I have so many great coincidences. I have such amazing freaking friends. I am so okay on my own when I am alone. And uh, you know, you don't get everything in life. Yeah, that's, It that's deep, but that's It's not so bad. I'm done with him. Like, yeah, sometimes you all, we all as human beings tend to always look at things that we don't have, but we never sit down and take time to appreciate what we actually have. 
like yeah because you'll never be able to have anything throughout life and you must just look like okay i might not have this but there's so many people that wish they have what i have right now and you don't take that time to mm-hmm. actually sit down and be grateful for it and yeah what you're saying was was, was actually deep and I love how strong you are, yeah. like how determined I'm you are. You know who you I'm are. I'm not that strong. Well, no, we're going to continue well, to look, praise if, you. I think yeah, you have to think sit there and take it. I'm going to get embarrassed. Well, look, I if, don't. if you don't think Easily. you're that strong, I, I will tell you that you are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how, how we, we were saying this before. Like I love how open you are to talking about these things and, and talking about the adverse situations and, and and talking about the fuck ups but also praising yourself i think it's very healthy i don't know like i feel like we need more of that here like i wish i could see more people be open to who they are and where they came from and because who gives a fuck you know what i mean like in this society in general like people are so embarrassed about being vulnerable or about talking about either their insecurities their fuck ups or their personal problems Mm -hmm. and people are like and especially like even with families you have don't say this don't don't tell people this don't say that but that if you're going to do that, and not just through my personal experiences, if you're going to bottle up everything inside you and you're not going to go and engage and talk, then it, it'll, it'll end you. If it, Psychologically, it's very heavy to keep everything bottled up and to overthink everything. They just say what's on your mind. People are not... The, it as, frees you. Yeah, it, mm. it first of all, frees you. And I genuinely think that people in general, okay, you have people that could be jealous or that could be deceptive, blah, blah, blah. But people in general, people who you form close bonds with are genuinely care about you. Mm. And once you open up to other people, pe- other people will start opening up with you because like, wow, you're actually comfortable in saying this. And mm. it might change people's perspectives mm. about how they should live their own lives as well. I think talking is a very mm. important thing. And if, and if they react in a, in a negative way to you, good separate the weak and the fake people great the fact that you open up and they react in this way oh that's not who i thought you were what i expected you to be good get out of my life simple very easy you know what you come here alone and you're gonna leave alone this cannot be you know these are the only facts Mm. you know when, when i did the vogue party it was like the biggest party in the country it was crazy insane what we did we had victoria's secret models here we had golden barbie we had Mean Bedak, Elisab, Mean Bedak, Mean Bedakin. I swear to you, I got into the elevator and I was going to the party and I knew, I knew how big this is going to be and I knew this is going to change my career and I knew because everybody was calling, why I miss you? <laughs> <laughs> everybody misses you. Everybody missed me. My yeah, God, yeah, yeah. I was so missed. Um, and I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, Mariana, you came here alone. You are leaving alone. This is not going to go to your head and this is not going to change you and that's it and there's a lot of people that do not like me and it's okay and there's a lot of people that adore me and that's okay but i don't know either or both sides for me are not affecting my actual life Mm. right now i can appreciate and respect those who 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 don't you know uh who, who, who do like me and those who don't if they have the courage to come up and speak to me then have the courage and come up and speak to me and maybe you'll give me a chance and maybe you still won't like me and that's all right because but because mm. you're not changing my life you're not doing anything to my life but people like to box you Tade. Yeah. it's easier mm-hmm. for them we had this conversation mm. yeah. it's so much easier for them 
to put you in their little box. Mm. They know where you're from. They know where your family is. They know how much money you have, what kind of education, who you've slept with, all of that. Mm. They love that. It makes them feel so much more comfortable. But when they can't box you, I mean, Mariana, Wehbe, nobody could figure out if I was Sunni, Shiite, uh, Christian, Druze. And it drove everybody crazy. You've always been very grateful towards Lebanon. You're actually one of those people that, that spoke really highly of it. And I, when I studied you on social media, you have videos saying, Lebanon gave me my life and I'll be forever grateful. A year has passed. Do you mm -hmm. still have these sentiments towards Lebanon? It's a kid. Even, really? after, even after the bomb and what's happened this This is year. my home, guys. This is our home. This, mm. is, this is our home. This mm. is... This is I wish I could just carry it and hold it and protect it and save it and and give it the love it needs and the unity it needs. I wish I could, I wish I had the power to do something. Um, I do what I can, what I know how, without, you know, whatever resources, but my God, any. Lebanon is like the most beautiful man or woman you can ever, ever, ever meet in your life. It's just, the people inhabiting it don't don't deserve it. Mm. This land doesn't doesn't deserve us. We should have been better to it. And uh, I worry about myself with 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 this attachment I have. Obviously, it's because it's the only home I have ever had. So there is a psychological thing to it, where it's the place where I was left, and the place where I made myself, and the place where I was free and the place where I became a mother and then and I liberated and I became, you know, I have my own business, all these dreams and Anjad, Anna, I'm doing this. I'm really getting on the plane this way. Am I really traveling this way? Am I really in this meeting? Am I, you know, you know this is, I still look at the things that I do. You know, I go to Geneva for the Christie's jewelry show and I travel on whatever. And I go to New York and I do great things. And I, but is this for real? I swear to you, you know, I sit on the plane and I think really so hard. I imagined it would be, yes, I wanted to be that person. Shma'ul, um, Lebanon gave me this. Mm. And yourself, of course. Yeah. You gave you, I, I, would, Lebanon, I wouldn't discredit what you Lebanon did. But Lebanon gave me that because I was, I was, like I told you, I wasn't boxed. I had this freedom to maneuver, mm. to be whoever I wanted to be and keep pushing and, 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 it's funny. It's like, hey, you're coming behind people and you're doing your thing and they mm. don't know yet. And I didn't know that I was doing that. It, it, I was free. Mm. And it was, who's this girl? Who is this? What is she? Lebanese, American? What is she? Christian, Muslim? Who? What, what, why is she doing something with Zah Hadid? Why is she? Who is this girl? You know, I was able to just be free and, and bring something to my country. And everything I ever did was around Lebanon. I refused to do, you know, Vogue's first year anniversary was supposed to be in Dubai. I did everything mm. to, make to make sure that it happens here. I mean, everything. Mm. I mean, the day we were doing the seatings, Manuel, the editor in chief and I, I was so, I was so drowned. I sat everybody on one row of the table. Then he goes, I said, okay, that table is done. He goes, what about the people sitting in front of them? I said, what do you mean? I wasn't seeing in front of me anymore. You know, that's how exhausted I was. But it was always Lebanon. And when I, when the revolution started and this whole thing popped inside of me, I was having dinner at Aramis the night before. 
I came back to the room. I took off my jewelry. I was screaming. I did a crazy video. Something exploded in me. Mm. I was here the next day. I'll show you the video from the plane. The country was on fire. I get on a motorcycle because of DHL, because I was able to go back to DHL, leave my car there through the fire, and I was on the... And, you know, part of the revolution, well, I can't say I'm part of the revolution. I was people that I was revolting for my country, okay? Mm. And when everybody started seeing that, I went and I questioned myself. Mariana, are you, I had to question myself. No, are you really doing this? Uh, because you really believe in this? Or is this because everything else is happening? I went back to all, you know, everything I've ever done in, 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 at MWPR. And there's videos going, this is for Lebanon, and we're taking Lebanon to the 60s. And this is my home. This is our home. I want my daughter to come back. I, I wish I could do something. I wish I would, I, would, I, would give, I would give myself if I know that change would happen. What about, like, so... For, you know how Lebanon's going through one of its worst economic crises mm-hmm. ever. Is it? And mm. at the same. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know, but you can tell me. We're not living in Monaco. And at the same time, you know, like how the world is globally through coronavirus, and many people can't meet up in large groups. Your company is a PR firm, and mm-hmm. PR, like a lot of attraction, comes right. in these big events where mm-hmm. people are meeting each other in large groups, and that won't be able to happen for a while now. So. How, how are you like how are you looking to cope with that or what's the future when it comes to that it's so fucking hard yeah it's so fucking hard i mean right when my you know i i turned 40 my business is doing but let's take it to just breathe you know you're okay you're okay your business is doing well you can breathe you're not worried about paying rent and you're not worried about surviving and i'm you know, grounding myself mm. and going in, and I don't know what this comes out. I just signed Etro Home, which opened the biggest boutique in the world in Lebanon, right across the street. They opened it before the explosion. The explosion started, hit them. They went back. They are, you know, they refused to, you know, to give up, which I'm with. I have to think of how the fuck am I gonna PR this? How am I going to PR this when we are suffering and when we're trying to fix homes and when it's an absolute... But then I had to think, okay, there's all kinds of fights we need to fight and we have to choose our battles and our economy has to continue. I mean, we... You know, it took me three weeks to do a post for Etro because I was so, I, I, I didn't know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to PR it. I don't know what the maneuver will be. It is going to be really hard. I am really scared. Um, I'm really scared. I, I, I'm, <laughs> who isn't scared? Yeah. yeah, but knowing you, I'm not too, too afraid I was going to say you. that. Uh, if, really? if, if, yeah. if anyone I don't know Shumnami, but you have more. You have you're definitely better equipped than most people. Definitely. For sure, for sure. Uh, we gotta come up with some crazy ideas. But I will we'll get the sketch pad. Yeah, But I'm like many many others. We don't know where we're going. Yeah. We don't know mm. what's happening. So we're scared. Mm. But you keep pushing, right? 
you have, have to. to. You what have, else, have what to. else can you do? What, what else can you do? The economy needs to go. You have employees. You have yourself. You have. I mean, there is no other alternative but and to I keep have, pushing. And I have a lot of volunteers in Bebushpeg that are now mm. my, 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 my new adopted children mm. who I think uh, were brought into my life when Sophie left to keep my ass here. Mm. Um, and they are brilliant like you guys and creative and smart and, and beautiful. And, and they don't know where their future is going. So... Mm. So yeah, but we're gonna figure it out. Of course we will. We'll figure. Uh, yeah, I mean, we ha- like that sentence can be said, but I, I genuinely think we will figure. It might not happen in the next two, three, six months, a year. But is it killing the house or killing the house? Dude, you're asking the worst hey, person. Hey. <laughs> at this point, it's either or. <laughs> you're asking like the both, both, yeah, 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 yeah. both, both work. Both work. Both work. Both work. Look, you're you're you have an extremely interesting background, but more than that, you are a very interesting and inspiring and motivating person and as a story and everything you've done i think a lot of people are going to resonate with this mm. and Hopefully yeah be motivated by it as well definitely and we want to thank you for even being so open to share your story with us because people need to hear things like this and they need a bit of motivation right now so i think you're the perfect guest in yeah. that sense so thank mm. you yeah, thank you, thank so, you much. so much for coming thank Seriously. you for having me thank you for listening I appreciate it. We do more. Thanks for listening. Please follow and subscribe on Spotify, Amigami, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Foda2020 to stay updated. We'd love your feedback, so please DM us on Instagram and leave your comments below. 